Hey guys, welcome back to Friday Live. You got Matt and Tim here, but watch, we got it backwards today though. We've got our, our little fancy name labels are, are all messed up, but that's okay. They're not even working. Did you break them? Probably did. They're still not working. There they go. I'm not mm -hmm. Tim Gandy. But he wants to be Tim Gandy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, welcome back. Um, we're glad y'all could be with us. Uh, I'm glad you're online. We are. My son is telling me my mic is peaking. That means that we're having trouble audio-wise because we're set up in the kitchen today. But I can fix that. Couldn't work in the studio from family needs. Family needs. So we're to... just, we grabbed a camera out of somewhere and hooked up as best we could and things will work out peachy. All right, Sean, maybe that'll be better for you. A um, couple of things. We're going we're gonna to be in Romans 9 again, or actually, I don't remember if we actually started, uh, that uh, Tim's peeking to. It's good to have a videographer as a son that lets you know when your audio's not doing good. No, but he was a real son. He'd be here doing it, so we wouldn't I, have to do it. That's my so fault. You need to train him better than what you did. I actually told him not to come, so <laughs> I'll take that one. Um, again, as always, if you actually get on the, the podcast today, and if you're out there, be sure to like, comment. Uh, comments really help us. You know Facebook's got a bunch of algorithms, and they target everybody. So um, if you're out there, hey, Amber, I see you out there. Um, make a comment. Give us a like, and uh, appreciate you joining us today. Um, before we jump into Romans 9, uh, which is a great passage of Scripture, just wanted to say a little bit about uh, Saturday and Friday and Saturday, we had a How to Study the Bible okay. workshop here at the Bridge Fellowship. Um, I think it went good. What do you think? Looked like it. Everybody was studious and working through, and we didn't have to send anybody to the principal's office or anything. Yeah, no discipline issues. Um, I thought it went really well. It was really good. We're trying to to get that honed down and and really targeted in. Um, if you're watching and, you know, you go to a different church and you think it'd be something that your church might be interested in, maybe a men's group or whatever, man, we'd love to come and do uh, a training uh, for you. And, uh, hey, there she is. Look, it showed up. It actually did it this time. Oh. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'd love to come out and do a training for you. Hey, Amber, thanks for, for commenting on there. Um, we, uh, we'd like to say we'd love to do it. Give us an email, info at uh, thecrucibusfire.org. I think I can actually put that up there. Um, and let us know. We'd love to come out, have your pastor contact us. We've got some videos that we can show uh, them to see what the, the class is like and if they want to preview it, that sort of thing. So that's good. I was really excited about it. I um, also want to say a little bit about um, the Timothy Project um, that we're trying to, we, we actually are, are moving pretty quickly forward to get that wrapped or, or not wrapped up but i mean you get it kicked off we're just getting started um talking with some people down in the valley about going down and doing some training with some church planters on this side of the border that cross over into the other side of the border there's talk about doing some on the other side of the border and uh, we've also our yesterday started talking with a missionary in costa rica mm -hmm. um, who's who's wanting to take our program out there so um, I appreciate everybody who's, who is continuing to give into that and by prayer and financially. And so, uh, really, if you would pray about, you know, uh, supporting that, and uh, if you want to partner with us, and, and you can go to the 
cruiselinspire.org forward slash donate, and uh, you can become a partner. What we really need is, is monthly partners. Um, and so if you're out there and you're praying through that, I want you to pray through that and seek counsel and all that kind of thing. But uh, even five bucks a month, you know, if somebody wanted to, to, to help partner with us and, and, and send that into this kind of where our ministry has been, been laser focused, you know, on doing this. And so uh, that's what the Lord's doing. But let's talk about Romans 9. Uh, you want to read it since you're in the New American? Uh, or do you want me to do it? I don't care. Well, so I think <clears throat> I was out for a couple of three sessions for various reasons. But I know that they, or Matt, uh, they got into Romans 9 and the beginnings of it. And so I do, let me read uh, uh, 1 through 18, I guess. That seems like a lot, but a lot. there's some context in here. So he says, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons, as the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, those who are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all, God blessed and forever, amen. So he's talking about his fleshly brothers, the Israelites, and how they're the center, in theory, the center of God's being. So in verse 6, he says, but it is, but it, <clears throat> but it is not as though uh, the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are, who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children, because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. Now listen to this verse. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. Come back to that. For this is the word of the promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. It's God speaking. Verse 10. And not only this, but there was Rebekah, also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of, of works, but because of God who calls, it was said to her, The older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I've raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then he has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires. It's a tough passage. Well, Matt and I were talking earlier, so it is a tough passage. If you just read it in those 18 verses and you don't look at anything before or after, there it gets really kind of confusing. 
because our knee-jerk reaction is to read those things as a human. Right. We like who we like, and we don't like who we don't like. And sometimes it's even hard for us to figure that out emotionally. You just, you just don't like them. Right. Well, I know that's one of the things that we talk about when we're training, doing the Bible study training, is it's really easy, and it's, almost, it's unavoidable to some degree, to bring our stuff, our understanding, our preconceived ideas, whatever, with us to the table as we study. You know, the, the part of discipline is, is to like to step back and, and, and let the text actually tell us what the text is telling us instead of trying to make the text fit into what we think we already know or what we bring into the table. Ooh, yeah, that's a big one there. I mean, you go, let's just talk about Christian people. You go to church, and maybe you've gone to two or three different kind of churches in your lifespan, and you're hearing these doctrines, but you don't really study or anything. It's really easy to even misunderstand what somebody's teaching you, something like that. And then you read something like this, and it's like, man, God's kind of wishy-washy. And he, <laughs> he, he, he can be mean when he wants to, evidently. You know, one of the things we said on Saturday was that as you start studying the Bible, um, and, and, I mean, really studying the text and not what people say about the text, you're going to encounter things about God that make you uncomfortable. Um, and partly because it's just it doesn't fit into our preconceived ideas or maybe it's not what we think that God should do. Honestly, I mean, people do that. They think, why? Oh, I hear people say stuff like, well, my God wouldn't do this and that. And I've heard that a many and, a time. And I, anytime I hear somebody use the phrase, my God wouldn't, immediately my antenna go up because what they're doing and what has usually happened is, is there's, there's already a distinction being made that there's your God and then there's my God, as if that there can be two and as if that, and, and I guess there can be if you're not worshiping the God of the Bible. I mean, in the Old Testament, we see them worshiping Baal, and they would have said that was their God. And so I'm even, I'm leery of even that, te that terminology. But what's really happening is, is I know people are saying underneath, Underneath what they're saying, what they're implying is, I know what the text says, but I don't like it, so I'm going to ascribe some different category to it, some different attribute to it that I can actually taste a little better. Yeah, and on the flip side of that, you're still wanting to taste how you want it to taste. Right. Uh, and so even whether you're well-studied or you're not well-studied, I've heard that statement come out of people from both of those camps. Right. And uh, it's almost like it's fearful because I can't comprehend these other things, so therefore I'm going to fill in that part, and that's what God has to do, or I can't deal with that. You make an interesting point there, Tim, is about filling it in. One of the things that I teach in the class is it's okay to not know, and it's better to have no answer than to make up one. Well, but you may think that you know what that is, and actually it's okay to fill it in with that, but you got to be willing to learn later on when you figure it out, and you go, oh, wait, can't do that. I've done that a million times. Yeah, but I guess I guess my caution would be, especially for somebody who's, if you're in a teaching role or whatever, don't make it up. Yeah. Tell I, people, I, would, I don't know about yeah. this, but this is what I'm putting in it, and this is where it comes from. And, and specifically in Romans 9, I will, I will tell you that Romans in itself, but much less Romans 9, was one of those passages that took me a long time to work out because should I tell the David story again? Sure. Uh, I think I've told it on here before, but if you've not heard it, my first trip through Romans, nah, my first serious trip through Romans, 
um, was I had a boss, and I always say this. I tell this story every now and then, and I know he's never going to see it. Um, I should just link him. Uh, <laughs> and he's a, he's a, of a more Calvinistic leaning, uh, a Reformed theology. Um, and at the time, I was the opposite end of that spectrum, and I didn't really know why. That's just kind of what I was always brought up with, and so that's what another good example of I came to the table with what I had been taught, not with what I had searched out and believed. Um, and so I went on this huge study uh, through Romans, trying to make sure that I could prove to him that his Reformed theology was not biblical. Well, then I got to Romans 9, and it just ate my lunch. I mean, it <laughs> tore me up, and I'm like, I mean, it, and it wasn't the only one. It was, you know... You know, when you got the, the text that talked about before the foundation of the world, some things took place, some things were declared, and it just jacked me up. I ain't going to lie. It just jacked me up theologically. I didn't know how to respond. Um, but I was able to wade through it and, and get into the place where I don't need to define God by how I think God should be defined. I need to let the Scriptures define God how He is defined. And then I need to change what I think about it. And then he helps you define that over time, or at least in my experience. And so exactly. Uh, and I, so let me try to put some of this stuff together. I don't really want to tell you what it says because my tendency is to want you to have to go dig it out for yourself. But but that's hard to do in a podcast. It is hard to do in a podcast. So this it reads kind of like. Well, I mean, just the cold, hard spots in here. It says in verse 13, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And now I know the Old, the Old Testament stories of this very well. And that's Genesis uh, 25, if you want to go back and look at that and read the, the original story. Yeah, and that's where the kids were born, but you have to keep reading the story right. and find out some other things in here. So anyway, but that's a cold, hard statement. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, uh, Pharaoh uh, the king at the time when the Jews were slaves and they got <clears throat> God saved them out of slavery and uh, and it just out and out says that uh, he spoke to Pharaoh and said you were put here for my purposes so it's almost like God built an individual threw him out there so that they would end up going to hell if you're looking at things in an eternal deal and God made that decision and is he just toyed with them because yeah. <clears throat> he can that's how humans think. Right. That, and that's, um, that's what I want you to walk away with this. When you read things like that and you're going about God, it's okay to come up with that and go, man, he seems kind of ugly. Kind of cranky. But you're reading it as we would. Right. His mind and his ways, the Bible tells us, are we can't even comprehend those things, so they have to come in kind of steps, so to speak. So here, here's what I want to tell you. So what this really means is, is that God looks at things eternally. Right. So that's the, that's the basis of this. And when you read this initially and you come to those conclusions that God's kind of mean or ugly or just that that's the way we would do it if we had these same kind of omniscient. Because we are mean and ugly. Oh, yeah. And some of us are more ugly than others, but that's another story. Uh, so you look back in uh, Romans 8, uh, verses 5 through 8. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Talking about the difference between eternal thinking and right. how man thinks. 
For the mindset on the flesh is death, that's the end result of it, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, fixing to clarify that, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, the way God does things. For it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So let me tell you a little story here. Uh, so when you go back and you read about uh, where it says, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Uh, so Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. And we see another, remember when uh, Abraham and Sarah, yeah. God come and said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And Sarah heard that and she was barren and she decided to go make God's will happen. We've talked about <laughs> this a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, Isaac and Rebekah did the same thing. Uh, and he had, uh, he said that Jacob is the one whose the lineage is going to come from before they were even born. Right. Right. And, uh, so Jacob and Esau are brothers and, and Rebecca loved Jacob and Isaac loved Esau. <laughs> now, again, we're talking about the human emotion here. They had favorites. They had favorites. And today, you know, we're all talking about everybody being equal. Well, you're not going to beat human nature. You can train it different to some extent, but that's that's some of that's in anyway. So uh, he uh, uh, Rebecca goes because Isaac's an old man and can't see very well, and he makes she makes Jacob sound like Esau and dresses like him and makes it so that his dad thinks that's who he's talking to, and he gives him the blessing. She got that because God told him that Jacob was going to carry that blessing, so she took it upon herself to make it happen. Don't know if anybody's ever experienced that. Yeah. <laughs> we probably all have. Uh, anyway, that didn't negate what God was doing or how he was going to do it. So, uh, But in, in Jacob's life, uh, they, Jacob's a deceiver, and we, we know all that, right? And so uh, he got it from his mama, I think. And I'm not talking ugly about women or mamas. I'm just saying he got it from his mama because she's the one that told him go and do this. Now, he was old enough. He could have been clear-headed enough, but he's, he was obeying his mother. And uh, uh, so anyway, he, he Jacob is a deceiver. His mama was a deceiver. And everything that Jacob did, it followed him for his family. When he got married and got his wife, his father-in-law was a huge deceiver. And they had nothing to do with each other, but his dad really raked him over, the, or his father-in-law really raked yeah. him over the coals. And he's experiencing all the things that he is. That gets into another sermon, uh, Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff. But Jacob's heart and his mind, he believed God and he knew God was real and he wanted to be things of the kingdom. The exact opposite of that is his brother Esau. Right. Esau was a manly man, did what he wanted doesn't mean that he was mean and evil or anything. It just means that Esau liked who he was, and he wanted who he was, and he wasn't interested in God's ways or thoughts. Right. Now, we normally think of that in the Christian world. That's an evil, tattooed-up, biker, drug-taking kind of an individual. That's not right. God doesn't mess with that, with that section on us that we can give up the right to ourselves. And we all have that. When you choose the things of the Spirit, like it chalks an eight, that means you're willing to take how you want it to be and let that go and try to let it. it it's not as easy always as just letting it go. Right. 
and, and you can see that in Jacob and his life. But when you love God and you want to be God and you want to per, not be God, but I mean pursue the things of yeah, God and let like Him that. transform you, be like Him, uh, that's what that mind of the Spirit is. And it's this journey that you're learning these things. People like Esau, and it goes further back than that, so we're touching in verses uh, 13 through 18 here now. So when you look at, uh, uh, and you have to use the context in this. So uh, Cain and Abel. Cain was a guy who he was remorseful about what he did, but what he was really mad about is he wanted to live his life on his terms and the way he wants to do it. Right. Uh, and he left God. Even though God would have still taken care of him, he was going to have to live kind of punished, so to speak, but so did Jacob. Yeah. So that's the commonality that I'm trying to tell you in this. It's not that he hated Esau. From an eternal perspective, God was in a place back before Esau was ever born, and he knew that Esau was going to take up the mantle of himself and wanted to do that, and he didn't really care how God looked at it or dealt with it. And it was the same thing with, with Cain, and it was the same thing with Pharaoh. All these guys knew God and encountered them and looked him straight in the face, basically, and said, thank you, but I prefer to do it my own way. Right. And that in itself is away from eternity, so you're, it's going to die. It can't live forever. So when God made those determinations and those statements, it wasn't that he was being mean. Well, and I want to I touch on that because it's really easy to look into this text and say, okay, God hated Esau and he loved Jacob. Esau didn't have a chance. God yeah. played him like a puppet and poor Esau didn't have a chance. But you know, one of the things we talk about, and I was alluding to this a while ago and I wanted to, to touch on it, is we talk all the time that God does not exist in, in time. He's outside of time. Well, what in the world does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. It means that God existed before time did. You know, you go all the way back into Genesis, the evening and the morning were the first day. The first day, well, God existed before then. He didn't, there was no time until God created time. And and so, and well, he is... He is time. He is, I mean, yeah, he encompasses time. I mean, he, he transcends time. And so we talk about these, there's a reality in the kingdom that God, now just hang on to your brain cells for a second, because <laughs> God has the ability in his eternal nature to exist, interact, and declare truth in the past, the present, and the future all at the same yeah. time. And our linear, finite human minds begin to erode and start running out of our ears a little bit, but... When we see things like this, God declared, I love these, Jacob and, I, and, I, and Esau I hated. God was already in the future. It wasn't just that he could see it. Now, some, some doctors and theologies and, and disciplines will say that his foreknowledge simply means he has the ability to look into time and go out. And, and, I, and I think that's insufficient. He's actually present in those times and can declare truth from the future into the present reflected to the past, and, and it's not just that it's knowledge that he can declare. He's actually working the end from the beginning and, and working all things together for the good of those who are called, you know, love God and are called according to his purpose. That's how he does it. And so what's happening here when he says, I love Jacob and Esau, I hated, what's really happening and transcending in the kingdom realm is it's just a declaration of the truth of how things are. Yeah. He knows 
because he's there already, the outcome of what's going to happen. That's what prophecy really is all about, is knowing the outcome, being in the outcome, and declaring the future outcome in the present because it's in, in God's existence, it's almost like it's already transpired. And he's just saying, no, this is the reflection of where things are. Same thing with Pharaoh. Uh, the argument can be made that Pharaoh didn't have a chance, but if you read the text really carefully, Pharaoh, he had, he had already chosen several times, several times yeah. exactly, to, to dismiss God, to miss the God of Israel, and to choose his own path. And so a declaration was made. And choose his own path according to his flesh. And it's important to make yes, that distinction. Yeah. Because he, Pharaoh was, I'm telling you, what, what our, this is all of our mindsets. This isn't select people. Right. Pharaoh said, no, I'm the king of the universe. Right. Satan is going to befall a similar fate because he wants to be king of the universe and he tells himself he is king of the universe. That's kind of a. I'm just trying to put it in eternal functions. Well, hey, Lauren, you're welcome. Uh, well, and 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 the other thing about it too is, can I? I'm, just trying, I'm trying to decide if I want to go where I'm fixing to go. I want to. I want to bring it even down further in that somebody's going to be sitting out there going, "Okay, this whole idea of God being inside out of time and the flesh, it's too much for me right now." It's just I, a lot easier for me to think God's a meanie. That's yeah, kind of what happens. That, yeah, and, and he's not. And I and I want to I want to even draw it down to a different level. One of the things that I had to come to terms with in studying Romans nine was the question of is God sovereign or not? Yes. And you have to if you're don't. watching this, you have to wrestle with the question: Is God God? Is he the sovereign head of the universe, the creator being? Of all things, if that's true, the Bible declares about him. He says he's God and he does what he pleases. Now, you can you can put your human emotion on that. You can put what you think is right and what he ought and ought not to do. Before you do that, you need to answer the question, is he or is he not sovereign? Because I want to encourage the Bible student to get into this text and go, even if I don't understand it, and to me it looks like he's a meanie, if that's the way God designed the plan to be that I'm reading here, the first step for me was to admit I don't understand the plan, I might not even like the plan, but to acquiesce to the fact that that apparently is the way that the plan was laid out. And once you get to that place that God is sovereign, he is the creator God of the universe, then it's, it's not easier, but it's a, you gain a better understanding of some of these things. Because if that's true, then some of the other questions like, and is God good? You have <laughs> yeah. to also wrestle with that question because if God is good, and I believe he is, and he's sovereign, then I can't read this as him being a meanie because he's also good and loving and is love and all those. So now the hard work of study comes in, how do I mesh these things together? Well, you're not going to because you're flesh and you're broken and you're busted just like everybody else. But what you can do is allow, like John 16, allow the Holy Spirit then to begin to lead you into the truth. And that's why I, I've said it a million times. The last thing that some Christians need is another Bible study to learn more about God that they're already not obeying. And because it's just more knowledge that they want to that they're going to choose to reject. 
What they really need is to wrestle with the nature and the character of who God is. Now, that can happen through Bible study. Yeah. But only if your heart and your mind is open to, I want this book to change who I am. I want this book to change what I think, because what I think, the Bible says about my own heart, mind, and soul is only wicked and evil continually. Yeah. I, I'm only going to think thoughts that are self-preserving. I'm only going to think thoughts that are, that are beneficial to me. I'm only going to make those decisions unless something changes. So when we get into texts like this that are tough, Tim's right. There's just some bold, cold statements made in here. He does it in Romans 8 too, though. But he makes, but he's saying this because somebody's reading a letter from the front to the That's end. Correct. So you can't take these set of verses out of just because right. we've marked it in chapters and verses and let that stand alone. All by, I mean, in the eternity eyes, it does stand alone. But he's this Romans is a letter that he wrote to somebody. Right. So you're reading it from the front to the beginning. So you're gonna have some measure of context in there, and you can't come to those conclusions that God's a meaning without remembering the last several verses he's talking about, look at the things that he's done and how he works that and what he's looking for. Exactly. Well, and, and, you, and the, the, for me, and we're, we're about to where we have to wrap this up, but part of the big context of Romans 9, and you, you can't miss it, is in the beginning of Romans 9. The context of Jacob and Esau is in who is actually the child of God, who is actually the, the, the descendant of God, which is those that come through the promise, through Isaac and through Jacob, there's a whole other line out there that came from Ishmael. And he says, those are not the, those are not Israel is what he calls them. Those aren't the children of God. But if you read what he said in the very first part of the chapter, he says in verse 2, um, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed, cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. He was a lineage Jew, a physical Jew. And he's like, I, he came to the realization that just because you're a physical lineage Jew doesn't make you a child of Israel. Right. What makes you a child of Israel is that you are a child of the promise, which is the belief through the Messiah and, and, and the, the acceptation of the Messiah. It broke his heart so deeply that his countrymen, his brothers in the flesh, had rejected the Messiah. And he said, I would rather be cut off from the Messiah. I would rather spend eternity in hell and them understand it than for them not to understand it. That's exactly what he says, and that's and a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement, and that's the spirit that he gets down, and he's like, I understand Jacob he loved and Esau he hated, yeah. and it was not based on who they were, because if you go into the original story, and even it, it, it talks about it here, before those two had done anything, good or bad, it wasn't about even what they did. Even though God's in, in time and he knows what's going to happen, his decisions were not based on what they did. Yeah. That's an important thing. It's based on his sovereignty, and it's based on him. And that's right out of the text. And it was wounding Paul. The truth of it wounded Paul when he realized some of my beloved countrymen aren't going to make it because they rejected the Messiah. He didn't take the truth of what the Spirit told him and bend it to go, no, 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 no. And actually, he's going he's gonna to talk about this. Wait till we get to Romans 11. He's going <laughs> to talk about this again. And in 10, he's going to talk about the Gentile side of this. But it, he was grieved in his soul that the, the path, to, we would call it the path to salvation. That's kind of where we focus. But really, the path to completion and being a child of the Most High. Sanctification. Is through the belief. 
in the Messiah. Yeah, the Messiah was part of the kingdom process, so to speak. Right. And what he's talking about is there's a whole bunch of his countrymen that just would not accept that part of the, the Messiah. Then that's what we're talking about with Cain and Esau and Pharaoh. There came a place, whatever those were, where they looked at God and said, I don't want that to be a part of it. Yeah. This is how my theology goes. And well, they're looking at the guy that made the theology and saying that. Well, and, and as a final thought, I, I want to tell you what one of the things I'm always looking for is how does this theology actually impact my life? Um, thankfully, me going through Romans, me going through Romans nine, and wrestling with is God or is not God sovereign? Is He not? Was done before 2007. Is you know 2005, 2004 ish area. Why is that significant? In in May of 2007, Brenna was born, mm. and Brenna, by doctor's account, was not born correctly. She was broken in a lot of different ways. Um, wasn't supposed to live. They packed her up and sent us home. With We didn't know this. We went to our first endocrinologist appointment here when we got home, and he's like, what, what do they have her on? And we were showing him all the stuff, and he, his face turned red, and he got mad. And I was like, what, what's the deal? And he said, these are not long-term meds. And I mm. said, what do you mean? And he says, they sent you enough medicine to just get her through until she dies. They didn't have any plan on her sustaining what, what they sent you home on. And, uh, and he said that that wasn't the plan. And he said, but that's not my plan. He said, let's see what we can do. And that's 14 years ago. And we're still here. But having settled the issue of is God sovereign or is he not helped us to get to the point of why did this happen to us? Yeah. Why did it happen to her? Why is she this way? Why, why, why? All of the questions. At the end of the day, the really the only important answer was is because God is sovereign and He willed it for us to, for it to come to us, and it really has helped us be able to deal with that. And so that's a, to me the real practical application, and because sometimes things don't go the way they're supposed to, in our minds, in our flesh thinks. Or we don't want them to go that. Or way. we don't want them to go that way. And you know, I, I wrote a blog article a couple years ago that that if if Brenna is broken then God's not sovereign, and God's not God. <laughs> yeah, because the exactly Bible right. will declare that she was knit together yeah. in the womb, yeah. and she was fearfully and wonderful made, wonderfully made. Now, I also know that because of this, the fall of, of sin, that there are certain things that got put into motion that just come to us. Some of you were born with high blood pressure because of the fall. Some of you were born with one leg shorter than the other one. And all of these different things, I mean, you know, I mean I'm using kind of silly maybe yeah. extreme examples, but the reason that we're broken, even physically, is, go back to that, but that does not negate the fact that God has a sovereign hand in everything, either by implication or in allowing it to happen. And you go to Jeremiah, and he says, can the potter not take and work the, on the you know, cannot take the, 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 vessel, the vessel and yeah. break it? It's his vessel, and uh, so that he can recreate it. And so, Settling the issue in Rome, if you get nothing out of Romans 9, I want you to take away that God is sovereign, and you may not understand that yet, but hang on to that and let it keep chewing on you. Yeah. That God is sovereign, and you may not even, you may say, but I don't want him to think this way or act that way, or it doesn't make sense to me. So what? Because I have to do this, this, and this. Exactly. That's not how God's world works. That's not how it works. <laughs>
And I, I had a, a mentor tell me one time, his we need timing to, is perfect. We need to take the, the, the whipped dog approach. And what do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> have you ever been around a dog that has been mistreated or, or sometimes they're just, this is their personality, but when you go to pet them, they just, they just kind of turn over. They want you to rub their belly. They're not going to fight you. They're not even going to, they just want you, they just want to be in your presence. Yeah. He's like, that's the approach. At some point in time, and maybe it's the first step, or it was for me, let me say it that way, is I needed to take that approach. God, I don't understand you. Your ways are different than mine. I don't get it, but your word declares that this is true. So I give up, and I accept that, and then I pray to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me into the truth of what that really means. Yeah. And so I guess my encouragement to you today is, and again, as we're going through Romans 9, we're not necessarily exegetically expositing every single line and every single word. We're going to we're gonna talk about some concepts. And one of them in this is, is you may not can understand it fully. It, literally, I studied the book of Romans for several years before I even started to get, a, to get an understanding of some of it. And, and now, when I go back to it, I mean, I've been doing this 26 and a half years. I still find stuff all the time, and I was like, oh, it just opened up even more. Oh, it's yeah. opened up even more. So I want to encourage you to dig in. And I want to encourage somebody, somebody's going to see this. And I, I sound like Robert Tilton. That's not what I mean, but I mean, I'm not like that. But, <laughs> but I just feel like because I've been in this place that somebody's going to look in that and they're going to be angry. And they're going to say, if God is sovereign, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why did this, why did such a bad thing happen to such a good person? And, and I'm telling you, the first place to start wrestling with that is, is just the accepting of the fact that God is sovereign and nothing comes to us unless God wills it, allows it, or brings it. And once you settle that, then you can actually start dealing with the healing and start dealing with the actual circumstances and start actually experiencing some of the joy that comes from even what the world would call broken circumstances. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and and in, in our situation, I can't tell you how many lives Brenna has touched that we couldn't touch. You know, even when she was in the hospital in the NICU, for six weeks, the amount of doctors, we had doctors would come in and be like, you guys are always here. Why don't y'all just go home and we'll take care of her and we'll call you if anything happens. We're like, what? You know, <laughs> we're, you know we're running shifts and trying to take care of the other kids. And, and they're like, you guys are so optimistic. You seem so joyful. I mean, it was one of those things. It wasn't like we were trying to do it. It just, the Lord just gave us peace about right. what was going on. And he says, always be ready to give an account of the hope that lies in you. We got to witness to a ton of doctors, atheist doctors. I mean, they did not believe in God. They could not wrap their brain around the fact that we didn't want to abort her when she was a baby. They couldn't wrap their brains around it. And, and you want to tell me that was by accident? That the gospel was shared with countless individuals because she was broken. Yeah. It, blind Bartimaeus speaks the, directly to that. Hey, Jesus, why is this guy blind? Was he the sinner or was his parents the sinner? And I don't mean to be flipping about the disciples. It was just the culture they grew up in. But, and he's like, nobody. He was born this way for this moment, not just to globally and, and over time, though he did that, but he's like, for this moment. Yeah. He was created that way for this moment that the Son of Man would be glorified. And so God was willing that Bartimaeus spend his entire life up to that part blinded so the son of man could be glorified because it's through the glorification of the son of man that he draws people to him in their rescue and their salvation so 
Well, in Barnabas, if you look at it just from a strictly human point of view and what was good for him, I really hate to say that, but that's how we think these days. God was measuring him eternally, so really he's yeah. only blind for a speck you couldn't see in a timeline. Right. <laughs> and it was good for him. Right. All right. So We've got to go. The time is about up here. We've got to, to get back to, to the grind. Um, I want to encourage you a couple of things. Um, be praying about partnering with us if you don't mind. Uh, and, and honestly, I want you to pray about it. Um, you know, if you're like a billionaire out there, I want you to pray about it before you wrote us a billion-dollar <laughs> check. If you were Elon Musk, you know, because um, I don't want you to do anything that God wouldn't lead you to do. Um, but the ministry is growing. Um, we've got um, quite a few pastors down in New Mexico and in the Valley region that we are beginning to work with and, and beginning to provide materials for. So um, if you would, would like to get involved in that, please do. Um, second thing is be looking out. We're going to be trying to do some how to study the Bible workshops in the area at some local churches. We're really trying to do that. And so if you missed this one and want to get in on a different one, um, we're also going to be making those videos available for you uh, as soon as we get those done. And if you want to, to help us out with that, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. You got anything before we go? No, good. Also, don't forget about our app. We do have an app out on the, the let's see if I can get it to show up here. Uh, in, the, in the stores, I'm trying to show you a picture of it. In, in both the uh, Apple store and in the uh, Android store, it's not going to want to do it for me, but that's okay. There it goes. Just a little bit slow. Um, Download the app. We are working to upgrade the app, and we're trying to do some better, some nicer things. This is just kind of a, to get us into the market, um, and so be looking for that. We'll be delivering content uh, through that, and, and just lots of stuff going on. Ministry has really been, been growing and, and being blessed, and we're, we're excited about it. And uh, hopefully next week we'll be back in the, in the studio day after Thanksgiving. Um, maybe we, maybe uh, we'll see how that goes about family and all that kind of stuff, but Guys, wrestle with the problem of the sovereignty of God. He is good. His nature is trustworthy. And so when you get into studying your word, the goal is not to learn more. You will do this, but the ultimate goal is not to learn about you. The ultimate goal is to learn about him and let him change who you are. Yeah. All righty. We love you guys. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us and helping us help you learn, teach, repeat. Talk to you later. Bye.